Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 91. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So we have got another great guest, Barbara Turley. Now, Barbara is an investor, entrepreneur, and founder and CEO of The Virtual Hub, a business she started by accident that exploded into the space of 12 months to become one of the leading companies that recruits, trains, and manages virtual assistants in the digital marketing and social media space for businesses who need to free up time and energy so they can go to the next level. So Barbara, welcome to the show. Hi, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm really, really looking forward to it. As I said at the beginning, um, before we sort of hit the record button, this is a topic that keeps coming up with my clients and even some friends of mine who I mastermind with. But before we really get delved into all of this cool stuff, could you just give us some backstory about what's brought you here today? Sure. It's actually quite an interesting backstory, especially for those entrepreneurial listeners. Look, I you would think that, you know, having a um, business of virtual assistants in the Philippines, you would think that I might have a background in HR or people management or some sort of team leadership type thing um, or even digital marketing, which is where we kind of specialize in VAs. And I actually have a background in none of those things. I totally by accident ended up starting this business. So the story in and of itself is quite interesting in that way. I wasn't uh, planning this at all. I just um, my background was all in, in investment banking. Uh, I was also in asset management sales for a long time, um, living down here in Australia where I am. Um, but I always had dreams of running my own business. And um, I started out doing a lot, uh, some business coaching, as a lot of corporates who leave their job will tend to do. And I found that all of the clients I was coaching, they were all smaller businesses. And they all typically had the same problem. I noticed that they kind of knew what they wanted to do. And, you know, there was a lot of strategy that I was bringing in, but they couldn't actually get anywhere because they had no time. They had no time to do any of, to implement the things we needed to implement. Um, and they also didn't really have enough money to hire the types of people they needed in their own country. So like a lot of other people, I had read the four hour work week, uh, Tim Ferriss's book. I knew a bit about that you could get these VAs in the Philippines. I had one myself. So I started recruiting um, just friends of my VA to help out some of the businesses I was coaching. And to cut a long story short, literally within a few months, I was just getting way more demand for VAs than I was for business coaching. And in the space of about a month, I literally flipped and decided, you know what, I'm going to do this as a business instead. I just figured there's a business in this. And now it's four years later and we have 100 staff in the Philippines. We've got clients all over the world. We've got offices there. It's crazy ship, crazy ship altogether. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? How sometimes the, I guess maybe not a side hustle because it might not have been that, but it's just how things just seem to take a path. And that when, yes. and I suppose you had the foresight to go, actually, I'm not sticking with the business coaching side. This is a bigger opportunity. So I'll take this one. 
Yeah, I just found that people were um, literally falling over themselves to kind of come. And I was getting calls from friends of friends and clients of clients saying, can you get me one of those VAs? And, you know, everybody in the entrepreneurial world tells you that, you know, if somebody if, if you sort of you've got to find a problem that people will literally fall over themselves to pay you to do right now. And if you if you find that one thing, there's your business right there. And I just looked at it and went, wow, it's just staring me in the face. So people were willing to. And and then I naturally found, actually, I, I guess, I mean, that was the beginning. But, you know, to be successful at something is a whole other game. And I guess this was maybe a lucky break. I discovered that, again, by accident, I'm very good at systems, processes and teams. I have a natural interest in that. And I've been quite successful at that, even though I wasn't really doing that in my previous career. So that has helped a lot. I've really enjoyed that part of the journey. Mm, mm. And how, because obviously being an investment banker must be a highly, you know, intense, um, high pressure um, career. How does that compare to being an entrepreneur in your experience? Some days it's harder, some days it's easier. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, uh, look, in, so in, in the banking days, I spent 10 years um, on an equity trading floor. So when I say investment banking, I mean more, I just use that as a broad term. So I was in the trading floors, which was, you know, fast and dynamic and all the things you want to have when you're in your 20s. Um, and then I moved into asset management sales, more of a sales sort of role in my early 30s. And I, um, so so that transition was moving to a slower pace anyway, still high pressure, but a slower pace of type of sort of thing. Um, but I just always had a dream. I just knew I wanted to build my own company one day. That's really what I wanted to do. And the entrepreneurial world, look, in, in some ways, I don't know if I've ever been as stressed out uh, in my corporate days as I have been as an entrepreneur, because I had never experienced the sleepless nights that people talk about. I think you can be very stressed in your corporate days, but I don't think it ever, I never lost sleep or as much sleep over it as I have being an entrepreneur. So in that way, I think it was easier, but then the freedom and flexibility I have now, I don't work as many hours at all. You know, I, I have a lot of flexibility, so I love that. So it, it cuts both ways, I suppose. Okay. Okay. So let's dive into this because as I said, you know, when we did our sort of pre-chat, I get a lot of people, you know, clients and, you know, associates of mine who are looking at this virtual or this debate of do I hire or do I look at a VA? Um, for you personally, what do you think are the benefits of hiring a VA? Okay, well, the most obvious one. Now, well, first, let's let the, the term VA, I think a lot of the problem, the term VA is very broad. Right. So what does virtual assistant mean? These days, it has gone from anyone with a heartbeat who can touch type to someone who could almost be a business and operations manager that's still calling themselves a virtual assistant. Right. So that's where a lot of people are really failing at this or struggling because there's a huge confusion around the term virtual assistant. So first of all, that that's the big thing. Then, of course, there's VAs in every country. There's ones in the UK, they're in the US, Australia. And then you've got the other camp where in the Philippines, you've got them in Vietnam, in Eastern Europe, um, you know, across India, like you can go anywhere. The most obvious advantage um, of a VA in somewhere like the Philippines, of course, is the cost effectiveness of it. Um, but again, be, someone being virtual anywhere is more is 
possibly more cost effective if you're good at it. And I think one of the issues, one of the reasons people have the debate is that they're not quite sure. And we see this a lot in our in our business. They're not quite sure how to get this right and how to get success at the virtual thing. And because that is that that's a skill in its own right. So I see that a lot. Mm. And it's also, I suppose, the um, possibly the fear of letting letting it go out of your sight. So it's been able yes. to have that trust in going, right, okay, I'm giving it to so-and-so in the Philippines or wherever it is in the world. They're going to do that and have that trust that it is being done where yes. they can't watch it. Yes, yes. And I think, again, that's a huge fear and a legitimate one because, you know, um, there are, the whole internet is littered with stories and I've experienced this myself of, you know, VAs going missing and work they said they were doing and they didn't do. And, you know, there's a lot of that that goes on. So that is a legitimate fear. Um, I guess a lot of people are coming to companies like ours because we have managed, managed to pretty much eradicate all those problems. You know, ours are all employees. I mean, it just they have to jump through so many hoops to even get hired by us before they even meet a client that, you know, we have managed to kind of create to, to eradicate a lot of those problems. So, um, yes, it is a legitimate fear. Um, and I think the, the outsourcing thing as well, just to be clear, you can like just farm something out to an outsourced person or you can have a virtual person who you bring into your business and make them feel and look and act exactly like any employee that you would bring in. doesn't matter that they're virtual. Yeah, yeah. So for you, what is the, um, how does the sort of the onboarding of a client look like for you? What sort of things does do, do your clients have to do in order to make sure that you are getting the right fit for, yes. for them? So a lot of it comes down to, a lot of people think, if I can just get the right person, the right fit, which is literally what you've said. And of course, that is very, very important. But let's assume for a second that we have great people, right? We've got great people. Um, a lot of the failure happens with clients who are not, they underestimate the amount of work they have to do in order to get their business ready to have a virtual team or to delegate effectively, even if the person is in the office with you. So a lot of businesses really underestimate this. So as part of our client onboarding process, we actually bring clients through a get, getting ready sort of thing where they get a mini, it's not very long, but it's a few videos by me, which are teaching them how to use project management tools like, for example, Asana or Trello or any of these tools out there that are very good when you're delegating and when you're running virtual teams. We also teach, you know, how to create a process. A lot of people, you know, process mapping is so boring, but it's so important if you want to build a business that is going to take you anywhere or like is scalable. And the final one is communication. I mean, communication, you know, it makes or breaks this whole thing. So we sort of bring clients through this client onboarding process, um, then they get to meet a selection of VAs and they, you know, they choose the one they want to work with. And then we help to integrate that VA into their business. And we just keep liaising with them, you know, as we go along the relationship. So we don't just give you someone and then buy off on your own. It's, we, we actually help a lot along the way to, to iron things out. Okay. So with, with all that being said, obviously over the last you know, the last few months, really, there's been some huge changes to how people um, process data and all of that sort of thing. How's that affected the, the virtual assistant world? Yes. Yeah, so the GDPR, it's like a swear word at the moment. Um, 
So the regulation, look, initially, I think people thought nobody was really thinking about VAs and, and neither was I. I was thinking, well, it doesn't really affect us. I mean, I don't even have a company. Our company is not even domiciled in Europe because um, we're actually domiciled in Hong Kong. Um, so I thought it wasn't going to affect anyone. But then it became very apparent that um, that the, the law applies to um, all data controllers that have any European even leads. So like we obviously have European clients. So as a data controller, which is just my company, we do fall under the legislation. And then I realized that actually virtual assistants are also classed as data processors, which means that it brings a whole other layer of complexity to the VA world, because basically the, the, the law now states that in the European Union, um, any company, any European Union company um, must only deal with data processors that are GDPR compliant. So it does have implications for VAs all over the world. Uh, so I went on a whole mission, took about three months, but basically the virtual hub is now GDPR compliant and we have a whole page on our membership site for our clients to see what we do and how we do that. Um, but it's it's given our clients in Europe great comfort that they are actually covered. We have proper processor agreements and all that. So it is quite important to just um, understand that it does stretch that far. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a super complicated thing. I remember I was in charge of the Millennium Bug at the company I worked <laughs> for. And that, yeah. that was a nightmare. So for those people who are now doing GDPR stuff, I feel for you. I really do. I really do. Yeah. But it's that interesting thing is, is because, you know, some people would never even think of it like that. And then, but the truth of the matter is because of your, I guess, due diligence and I wonder if, then all of a sudden this information has come up. So it's, yes, yeah. you know, it's that, it's that key thing that if you have got people that you're doing work for, you're looking for that to make sure that they're compliant. So I guess there's no backlash either. Exactly. Yeah. So we have had a couple of clients come to us and say, you know, I actually need to, I need a VA, but I need I need to know I need a proper processor agreement to show that you guys are GDPR compliant. So it is coming. Um, it isn't as complex as it's being made out. That's the only tip I would give on this podcast. I think uh, there are there are ways of making it a little bit simpler. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So for the final question before we jump over to the second part of the show is what advice would you give that for those people who are going, OK, I know I need a VA. What 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 advice would you give for them to start that ball rolling in order to um, to take action on it? Sure. So the biggest tip I can give people, the biggest piece of advice is that the first step is don't go out and hire a VA. Right. There's actually a bit of work for you to do before you do that step. And usually if anyone out there is listening and they've gone, I tried that before and I failed. It could be because you were not properly set up to 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 cope with a virtual person coming into your team. So, you know, the biggest strategy and the advice I would give is to, first of all, don't underestimate, you know, the amount of work and getting your processes documented and what you actually want done. So a lot of people don't even know what they want the VA to do. So it's really good to just sit down and think about what are the recurring tasks in my business that keep the engine of the business running that I don't need to be doing myself or I could get a virtual assistant to do for me. Then once you've sort of done that, you've got to sit down and create a process for each one about how you like it done. 
And then think about how am I going to train this person when they arrive so that I actually make sure that I get success with this when I do hire someone and I don't waste time, energy and money. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Because it, it, those are the things, you know, it's 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 all very good going, oh, I need a VA and panicking. But if you run too fast without the structure and the strategy behind it, then actually you probably it's probably going to likely increase your ex- experience of failing oh, it'll to be get like- the right one, won't it? it'll be like sticking needles in your eyeballs it's terrible (laughs) you'll create a whole other you know task for yourself if you do it that way hi guys so just before we jump over to the second part of the show i wanted to let you know that success iq alliance my membership program will be entering its pilot phase shortly and i'm looking for a group of people that would like to join me during this phase at the very beginning of the whole process if you're interested and would like to find out more information, then please email me at info at jeffnicholson.co.uk. Places are limited, but it would be lovely to see you there. Speak soon, wishing you the greatest success, and have an awesome week. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go to the second part of the show. This is where I get a chance to put you on the hot seat, so to speak, and ask you a set of questions. So are you ready? Yes, go for it. Okay, so the first question is, how much time a week do you spend on self-development? That's body, mind, and spirit can be included in that. I'd love to say that I do yoga every day and that I spend hours every week. I should do more, uh, but I would say personal development, I would spend, oh gosh, maybe a couple of hours. Uh, I do have a two-year-old, though, not to not to make excuses, but I used to do more. <laughs> I should do more. That can yeah, be developed. Just developmented very, very open. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose it's because obviously you live in in Australia. I mean, that just the sun just nutrient fills you full of nutrients and sorts everything out anyway. Well, so, yeah, like I mean, yeah. even just walking around the corner for a coffee, it's like blue skies and the beach. So I, yeah. I just probably get more of it than I. Than I realize, yeah. you know, yeah, I just exactly. like <laughs> Excellent. Number two is what is your favorite personal development book and why? Yeah, so I'm not sure if this is totally classed as a personal development book, but I did see it this way. The old, uh, what was that one? The um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's a very corporate one to pick for personal development. But I think it was one of the most pivotal books that I ever read. Um, I read it a few times and I don't normally do that, but it was a very pivotal book for me. Um, That whole concept of starting with the end in mind, um, you know, listening, like deeply listening, um, you know, to understand what another person is saying. Those kinds of things. uh, I I really got a lot from that book for me personally. Yeah, the big one for me from that book was the paradigm shift. Where I think the example was the guy on the train seeing the children playing up. And he had one thought and then all of a sudden after the guy told him exactly what was going on, his yes. whole concept of things. And that was the real thing that changed the real yeah, sort your of perspective. magic phrase. Yeah, yeah exactly. Your yeah. perspective on things. And yeah, I just, that big book for me was very pivotal. So I, yeah. I just always stands out in my head. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Question number three, what's your favorite app? Okay, I sh- again, I'd love to say something really cool, but Asana is a project management tool that has an, an app that changed my life. Like literally my phone is like, I just can keep up with the team. My, my business is all virtual. So Asana for me is, yeah, changed my life. 
And what did you use? Uh, did, did you kind of like go from paper system to Asana, or did you drill through the nosebees, the trellos, the Meister tasks, or anything? Or was no, it sort I of, went from uh, I went from nothing to Asana, and I've looked okay. at the other ones and thought I just have no interest in changing because it does what I need it to do. And <laughs> yeah, I think people yeah. overcomplicate things; they just look at yeah. too many things. And yeah, they're all yeah. great. Just pick yeah, one. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I, I like the I like for projects. I like Trello because yes. I, I like the way you can move it. And yeah, all right, it's it's a bit it's a bit funky. And the stuff. whole other podcast that yeah, topic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it's it is amazing how many out there. And the yes, the, the debate of do I do this or do that or do that, and at the end of the day, just try one. How long did you give yourself to? Because the interesting one is, is when you hear people using productivity tools like Asana or Trello or whatever. To me, it's the amount of time they give themselves to get used to it before they make a decision it's working for me or not. Yes, look, I I might be unique in this feeling, but the minute I saw it and I realized that you could run things this way, I mean, for me, it just it just made so much sense. So I don't really understand. I find it very hard to understand people who don't want to do it or who want to remain trying to run projects over email. Like that's a disaster. Like email is not a project management tool. So, yeah, I do think people need, need to give it time. But I, I also think the mistake people make is they overcomplicate it. So I, I always say to clients, just keep it simple and don't create Frankenstein in there. You just need a couple of projects and a few bits and pieces to get started. Don't go in creating like subtasks and sub bits and tags everywhere because you'll get lost initially. And then and, you'll and, hate it. <laughs> and is, is Sana your communication tool as well? Or, so is it sort of, um, can it do things like Slack or whatever else? Is it, is, Look, I have looked at Slack. Yes, it is our communication mm. tool. Okay. I have okay. looked at Slack several times. Yeah. And I probably will bring it in at some point. But at the moment, yeah. I still don't see no. the point in having Slack and Asana for, yeah. for what we're uh, doing. It's just yeah, yeah, I like it yeah. over one place. Brilliant. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Number four, what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? Okay, so I my first the first business that I did, uh, it wasn't a mistake, but um, I, I launched a platform called EnergizeWealth.com and Energize Wealth was all about empowering women around money because, you know, I won't get into this debate, but the women money thing is, is a big we as women, we have a sort of a different um, approach to money than men. Um, and it was quite a success. I had a, an online TV show. I had a podcast. I did a product launch of an online uh, course. Um, but it didn't, I think the biggest mistake I made is I just, just as I was getting momentum, I had, I think I was just before the tipping point and I kind of got jaded and de demotivated with it because I wasn't getting anywhere and I stopped. Now I did launch the virtual hub, so that's fine. But I think the biggest lesson I learned is that I I was probably just before the tipping point there. And had I kept like I just needed to get through that hump, um, you know, with content online and all that takes a long time. But when you reach that tipping point, it's it's gold. Uh, so it was a big lesson for me to, to realize that you just got to be consistent and keep going with these things. Yeah, no, brilliant. It's that it's the patient bubble, isn't it? Really, it's going. Yes. It's balancing the patient with obviously, you know, needing to make an income, and it's like that yeah. analogy where he's mining for gold and he gives up where he's like an inch or, or a 
whatever the thing yeah, is. Yeah, and you're tired. You become yeah. tired with it and dejected yeah. and all those feelings. Yeah. But I think to try and push through that. But experiences, it's only experience that teaches you that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, question number five. What are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? Obviously, you mentioned that you had a young child. Um, how do you do that? Do you do that? Yeah, so I'm very, uh, look, I, I, so my business is four years old and my baby is, my toddler is two years old. So I basically brewed a business and a baby sort of at the same time, which is nuts, I know. But people often think I must have driven myself into the ground to do that. I actually didn't. I just, um, like I said, I had a, I, I discovered I was very good at, at building teams. I'm very good at delegating. I'm very good at running teams and being the kind of orchestra role. And I guess because I want to be a mother, I didn't want, I, it's very important to me that I am that mother role. I've been very strict with my time and I'm a big fan of small bursts. So if I have to do something important, I sit down and go, right, you've got 45 minutes, go. And like, I literally just make myself deliver quickly. And then I, I, yeah, I've got to cut it. So I do, I am very strict with my time. I say no a lot. Saying no more than yes is a big tip that, uh, again, experience has taught me. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. It's no's like one of those words that we've been taught that you don't say it. And it's like, actually, it's one of the most powerful words you'll ever learn. Yes. Say it more. Say no all the time. So I, yeah. I say no a lot. Like I say no to, to uh, particularly business opportunities, you know, make yeah. sure that you stay focused and you just, you know, say no to all the noise around you and just yeah. keep going with what you're doing. Same yeah. with your life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I say no a lot to my children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no more money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I get this? No. <laughs> oh, it's, what do you think I'm going to say? Okay. Uh, okay question <laughs> yeah. number six what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out uh so sort of like what would i say to myself starting out yes um so my biggest piece of advice that i really do like to impart these days to people starting out is that yes you need to be persistent and you need to have hustle right and this these words are bandied about you do need to have a sense of I will win, right? You've, and that's what hustle is. But you've got to measure that with making sure that you're being persistent and hustling in the right direction. Because if you go persistence hustle at something that's blatantly not working, but you're just so pigheaded you can't see it, then you're going to just drive yourself into the ground. So it's about listening to the market, listening to the customer, listening to the problems, and then being persistent and hustling that you will win and you will find the answer to that business you're going to launch or that you're yeah. launching. Yeah. That will brilliant. get you there. Brilliant. Okay. Question number seven, what is your definition of success? Yeah. I love this question actually, because everyone has a different definition of success. For me, success for me purely means that I have um, enough, or maybe more than enough, but enough passive income that I'm not involved in to cover my lifestyle and my, that I don't have to, so that I can work for the love of it and not for the money. So that's a really powerful thing. People always think I want to make millions. I go, no, no, no. I just want to make sure that if I've got enough money coming in wherever doing, be it a business or investments or whatever that covers all my costs and my lifestyle, me living, then the work that you do is because you love it. 
and not because you have to do it for the money. That's success for me. Yeah, and actually, Bobber, that's one of the reasons why I asked this question, because time and time again, I'm speaking to people who are chasing someone else's definition. Yes. And the 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 either the, the amount of stress that that is causing, or, you know, as you said before, is they're, they're hustling in the wrong direction, is, yeah. is absolutely crazy. And once you can understand, because, you know, an awful lot of people are coveting, oh, I want a million dollars, or I want this, and they go, but why? And if you can understand what it is you're pursuing and why you are pursuing it, then, okay, I get why you're looking at that target. But don't just throw a figure in the air and going, because that sounds really cool. Because actually, if you're yeah. looking for financial, let's say financial freedom, financial freedom for you and your lifestyle, how you want to live it, may not actually be a million dollars. It may actually it's Sometimes be financial freedom lot. has nothing to do with money, actually. It does. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. it's, it's looking at it and taking the time and sitting down and going, okay, this is actually what I want to achieve and this is what success means. Because, you know, all, all of the research and everything done is, is ultimately when your last day comes, you're not worried about the money. No. You know, it's, it's, it's what it's, to do. Money is just a yeah. vehicle. It's, yeah. it's just a thing that, you know, and, and maybe you want to drive a Maserati or whatever, but again, you've got to ask yourself, you know, I, I don't know success. I mean, I'm not very much, I, I'm not into any of those things. So I just think, well, for me, success is just not having that pressure of having to make the mortgage or, you know, or whatever. So, you know, I can just, I can just be, because uh, for me, freedom is my highest value. So I'm always, I probably have spent my life chasing freedom as opposed to success. But for me, success is feeling yeah. free. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, question number eight. Do you have a morning routine that helps you get prepped for the day ahead? <laughs> you know, again, I'm thinking, I get asked this one all the time. And I don't know whether, you know, I think women, like, the, the, I think we, we're always, I feel like people are expecting me to say, I get up and I do, you know, I do my meditation and my gratitude journaling and all the things that I should do. Honestly, I don't. I mean, I, I literally get up. Morning is my power time. I have all my best ideas. I go out, I have a coffee at my local cafe. I feel amazing. I come back and I power through work in the mornings. So I don't really have a, apart from going out to have a coffee, not really, no. No, but I think, but I think, but I suppose at the same time is there, there is an element of a routine because you go yes. for a coffee and then you do your power and it doesn't, you know, we can all, we can all say, yes, it would be lovely if we could go and sit on the beach on in the, uh, and look at the crystal sea and go, I'm meditating now and I feel good. The reality is we can't always do that. And, you know, you've got young children and you yeah. know, you've got responsibilities from that. The, it, it, so you do, I guess, I guess the way I see it is, is you do have a morning routine. It just, it might not be what the traditional personal development go. That's yes, a morning what routine. they tell you. And yeah. I, would I feel better if I did all these things? Possibly. Yeah. I just think I'm at an age in my life where I'm sick of thinking about all the things I should be doing. And I just want to do stuff that makes me feel alive. Yeah. And I just want to do what I want to do, and that's it. Cool. <laughs> so maybe I'm brilliant. old and grouchy at this point. But that's, yeah, that's how I feel about yeah, it now. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> you'll get your old shillelagh and you'll start going after them. <laughs> okay. So um, this is the final question. It's the life lesson question. You basically pick a number between 1 and 50. These are things that I have learned from recovering from a long-term illness and starting a business. It gives us our final sort of conversational point. It's okay for you to disagree with it, but pick a number between one and 50, Barbara. 
So my daughter is turning two in a couple of weeks' time, so I'm going to pick two. <laughs> okay. Is it a bad I'm one? Gonna, <laughs> no, I'm going to ask you to pick another one because actually that rule is start your day right. Um, oh, and we've really? just literally yeah, talked about on. that one. So pick another okay. one. So she turns two on the 18th of August, so 18. Okay. Practice persistence. Um, oh, gosh. Talked about that. Want me to pick another yeah. one? <laughs> well, no, because I suppose is that we could go a little bit deeper on that because yes. it's that... It's that thing is, is when I, when I look at that, for me, it was not only about practicing persistence, you know, to pursue whatever. It was about having to understand that, you know, we would love to think that everything's a quick win. But mm. it's when you, and no matter what it is, whether you're going to the gym or whether you are, you know, whether you're wanting to get fit or whether you're wanting to be a great parent or whatever it is, there is work to be done. And when I was recovering from my illness, as much as I hated the stuff that I had to do, and a lot of it had to start from the internal processes of my mind before I could even get out and do it to the sort of the real world, if you want, it's that, you know, whatever some of our thinkings are about, yeah, okay, you know, I've, I've been doing this for two months, but you may have to do it for three, four, five, six months to get the results. Granted, as you said before, don't hustle in the wrong direction. But, you know, life is not going to hand you everything in the palm of your hand. It's about doing the work. And I think, yes, uh, I, you know, and I think it's taking it from that point. I absolutely agree with you because I think uh, in, there's two things I would say. I totally agree. And I think a lot of people don't, they underestimate when we say do the work they underestimate the amount of work, right? So a lot of people are like, I am doing the work. I'm like, well, you're not doing enough because right? it's hard, man, right? That's why people are, that's why the best of the best, there's, there's only a few of them sort of thing. It's, it's a big, uh, there's a lot of work involved. And I think with the word persistence though, people have got to be very careful in that it's okay. Like, so you want to be persistent, but like I said, you've got to be persistent, but with your head up, looking forward, not down at the ground, like persistent, you know, head down, keep going. That's persistence. But you may also want to just look up and see what's happening around you to see, are you going in the right direction? Because if you're going persistently in the wrong direction, you know, you may not see it if you're not, if you're not being very aware of what's going on around you. Um, and, and that's, that's the same in, in life. Like, you know, if you're, if you're, driving yourself into the ground with a fitness goal and you don't realize that you're actually doing damage to yourself, you know, you've gone too far or in a business where you're just striving after the wrong thing when the market is telling you, it's almost screaming at you that you are not doing, you're not going in the right direction. No. And Your also customers are telling you, you've got complaints everywhere, whatever, and you just keep yeah. going, yeah. that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. And I notice it as well when you're looking at people working on their mindset, and you, you know, you, they're kind of like going, but I've done it, you know, 10 times. And it's like, yeah, but you might need to do it 50 times. And they, they just automatically, I mean, I worked with a, a lady a few um, months ago who was having anxiety issues. And it's, mm -hmm. you're going, no, okay, you, you've got to do this on a daily basis, or you've got to do this whenever this situation comes up. And it's like, but I've, I've done it for three weeks in a row. And I says, yeah, I know that, but... Sometimes you've got to do it longer because you've also got these really ingrown habits 
uh, and limiting beliefs that are kicking in. And the only way to break them past is by doing, is by, you know, sheer dogged determinedness to go, I'm going to do better than what the last feeling was. But it's a hard thing. Well, I think a lot of people also, like she said, I did it. I've been doing it. A lot of people think just doing it is enough. You actually have to believe it, feel it, know it. You've got to have a persistence about that. Like I will, you've got to know that you will get this and you will. I can't even describe it as like a knowing because people, you know, even with the VA thing, if I was to go back to that, people go, oh, I got a VA and it didn't work. Like, well, maybe it didn't work, but you didn't have a commitment to saying, I'm going to get this offshore cost effective strategy working. I'm going to keep plugging away and maybe it's the wrong person, wrong story, whatever. Um, but just the doing and persistently doing may not yield you the result. You need to be persistent in your knowing yeah, that you'll absolutely. achieve it. Yeah. And the other caveat to that is, is when it's worked, don't stop doing what works. Yeah. The amount of time people go, oh, it works. I'm just going to go back to my old habit now. It's like, no, yeah. that's, you need to keep on going. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And okay. listen to yourself. I think a lot of people don't yeah. listen internally, you know, about Absolutely. how this is affecting them internally yeah. and what they're doing. And like yeah. I said, that's a whole other topic that we could just, explore, but absolutely. it's another podcast topic. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So the floor is now yours for you to share how people can find out more about you or anything else that you want to talk about. Sure. So a couple of things I've got. Uh, if you want to find out more about the topic of VAs and um, scalable business and, you know, uh, I've got a couple of uh, gifts for anyone listening. If you go to the virtualhub.com forward slash success IQ over there, we've got um, uh, we've got a free e-course, the scalable business success formula. We've got a couple of checklists that you can download for working better with VAs that are really handy. And you can also book a call with one of our outsourcing strategy consultants there, free call to chat with them if, if you think that this is something you'd like to do. Um, a lot of people, uh, for me personally, I, I like to connect with people on LinkedIn. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I post a lot of my content over there. Um, and I also have a podcast if you want to listen to more musings about virtual success um, from me. It's called The Virtual Success Show. Uh, and we, we talk about, it's basically all things um, outsourcing success, uh, by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs brilliant and um thank you very much for that lovely gift as well and um, we'll put it on the show notes and all of those sort of things so just before we go do you have any final words of wisdom yeah like, well like we were joking in the pre-call don't do it <laughs> so, <laughs> no my 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 um my my words of wisdom i guess it's it's I, I'm trying to put this in the right language uh, and I and I don't do this that successfully myself still, but I'd like to do more of it. I think we 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 all worry too much about stuff that is probably not going to happen. So we have a, a lot of anxieties and I, I have it too. We all do. But it's about trusting more that you're on the path that you want that that you're you know, that you're on your path. And being persistent in that, I suppose, if I was to tie it back to the persistence thing. Um, just trusting more in the path that you're on. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Bob. It's been lovely having you on the show, and I just want to wish you the greatest success. Thanks, Jeff. 
So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know you're listening and I really appreciate the support. If you'd like to know more about me, my services and how to connect with me on social media, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk and that's Jeff, G-E-O-F-F. I also invite you to join my growing community on Facebook, search for Jeff Nicholson UK and join like-minded people because it would be absolutely awesome to see you there. You can tune in and listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn and of course iTunes. If you have enjoyed the show and have time, please leave a rating and review and because it, it really does help me grow the show and make the impact I'm aspiring to do with the show. I wish you the greatest success and remember, don't settle for mediocrity. Go out there and create and live the exceptional. Have a lovely week.